0: This podcast is brought to you by Men's T Clinic. Men's Tea Clinic is the team I trust with my total wellness optimization, and so should you. Five DFW locations with North Frisco, El Dorado Parkway at Dallas North Tollway now open. Call 972 go mens T or visit mensteclinic.com
1: It's hour two of the Back Nation on 105.3 The Fan. Hope you're having an outstanding day. Uh, hope you're staying dry uh, out there. Wow, and, uh, another wet one. Derek Holland talking to Adrian Beltre and the Hall of Fame. Dutch is coming up at 3.20. We'll talk some Rangers baseball with the oven himself. It's time now for the NFL News Today. Here's Zach Wolchuk.
2: Well, we did mention during our headlines, it is official. Brian Johnson's been fired with the Eagles there uh, as their offense coordinator. It's weird. The stuff coming out of Philly is like, people aren't really happy on that staff that he's been fired, but yet it was a dysfunctional offense. You had Jalen Hurts apparently auto I don't know what's happening there, uh, but Nick Sirianni's going to be sticking around, and now they're looking for two new coordinators. So we'll see who they end up hiring. The other news is... Apparently, a former Chargers general manager, Tom Telesco, is going to be the new GM of the Vegas Raiders. Now, I thought this was a brilliant point from our buddy, David Hellman, who saw this and said, imagine dog walking a team so thoroughly that they fire their coach and GM the next day. And then a month later, you decide that that GM is the guy that's meant to fix your franchise. And that's exactly what the Raiders are doing. Like they beat the crap out of the Chargers to where the next day they fired Telesco and Brandon Staley. And now they're saying, you know what? Telesco, you're our guy. Come on over and be our general manager.
3: Wow. My dear God, the Raiders out-raidering themselves. Mm. That is insane. I didn't even, I hadn't even considered I hadn't that either. because I saw f-
2: people saying, like, oh, this is like Daniel Jeremiah, who we respect a lot. Like, this is a good hire, right? Have an experienced GM with a first-year head coach. But when you think about kind of the nuances and exactly how ex- he got fired, does this make sense?
1: I don't know. Well, the Raiders continue to put the L in the NFL, don't they?
2: Yeah, they do. Yes, they do.
3: Jeez, dude. It's crazy. I I had not even considered that. It's not. I mean, even without that, it's like, okay, you hired the- What the hell are you doing? The Chargers general manager. Okay, whatever. But knowing that, that is crazy. That was the Thursday night beatdown. Yes. That was where the Raiders, the week before, had scored like zero points versus the Vikings and then came out on Thursday night and put up like a 60-burger.
1: It's insane. There's two kind of who's that guys in the NFL when it comes to hiring. The smart teams are finding guys that were intricate pieces of important winning processes. You know, the guys that are kind of like family run, they hire people they like. And you're like, how the hell is Mike Nolan back in the league as a D.C.? Mm. You know,
2: it seems like the uh, Chargers, though, are getting very close to striking a deal with Jim Harbaugh to be their next head coach. That was Mike Girafolo reporting that. Then I also saw another rumor from pro football talk that Pete Carroll was actually trying to make a late push to get the Chargers job. But all signs right now point to Harbaugh wants that job. They want Harbaugh. They've just got to figure out the framework of a deal.
0: Yeah, and uh, he's, uh, he's uh, you know, the thing about it, they got now his family's involved with the decision. I, I, evidently, I believe his His wife has gone along on the second trip here. So she's going to, you know, they're probably going to try and sell her on the idea and talk to her about the things that they need to transition from Ann Arbor out to LA and, you know, meet with all the people, the movers and things like that. You always want to get her involved, you know, because she's the one that's going to have to do all the legwork here. But
1: uh, Los Angeles can really work if you can find some way to to beat the traffic. Are you going to live in one of these beach towns and just not? go yeah, outside the city limits too often i could live with that their
0: facility i believe is on the way i believe their facility is on the way to uh to like when we go to oxnard right there it's not really in like la proper i believe i'm trying to think of where exactly they're located is but it calabasas it, no we should <laughs> calabasas would be pretty cool to have it but yeah that that's uh you know they're a little bit outside the fray so that yeah. would be probably a good thing for them to well, with. maybe
3: you take a page out of the uh, the Phil Rivers book, because when the San Diego Chargers became the Los Angeles Chargers he was shuffling back and forth, Phil had like a decked out like limousine, kind of like John Madden cruiser deal right. where he was able to get like all his film work. It yeah. was like it's like a man cave on wheels sort of yeah. deal. So he was able to while commuting back, in, you know, to and from the facility, he was able to, you know, be productive in that time. If you will, so so maybe there, maybe that's in store for the Harbaugh's. I would love that idea. That. Absolutely, I want that. I, I want an
1: RV though, not not a limo, dude. Yeah. like a you Winnebago or like one out. of these new
3: Mercedes that gets upfitted. Like
1: these, yeah, the Sprinter vans. Band. Oh, I think that's what yeah. they were
0: dealing with. They
3: could do cool things
1: with these. Now. Either one of those would work. I, I think I'd prefer the full Winnebago though. I want to get up and take a walk around, maybe play some Uno, make make a turkey pot pie mm-hmm. just for the nostalgia, Have right? A in oh there. yeah, little bed.
3: Maybe that thing. Maybe you get crazy, you go all Bill's Mafia, and you're lighting tables on fire, and you're leaping off your Winnebago to crash down and, you know, hashtag do your part. Somebody you to take
2: in, maybe Harbaugh can just get a helicopter back to practice. You know, Jones style. That's, that's true. An option for a lot of people. Maybe they is. can just say, you know what, Jim, we got you. You live with wherever you want, we'll go ahead and pick you up and fly you back. No biggie. Yeah, if you have no fear. Is this a surprise? Uh, Diana Rossini reporting that former Falcons head coach Arthur Smith has received serious interest for more than seven teams about joining their offensive staff as the offensive coordinator. He's got options.
3: If the report was unserious interest, I'd be like, okay, this makes a ton of sense. This might be a what not to do situation, one of those interviews. When I mean, he but,
2: got fired because he was calling plays in Atlanta and he just failed to use B. John Robinson, who they took in, a, in as a top 10 pick, Kyle Pitts, they didn't
0: get the most out of him.
3: He was sticking with Desmond Ritter time and time again I, I when he the, obviously should have gone with the Green Lizard.
0: I believe their times, well, excuse me, I believe their coaches. That are not fit to be head coaches, right? But are outstanding offense and defensive coordinators. Believe that. Wade and Jones he, one. I
3: mean, in, in Tennessee for a couple of those years when Derrick Henry and Tannehill were every, doing some things, I think Arthur Smith he was, was.
0: I believe every year that Vrabel went to the playoffs, Arthur Smith was the offensive coordinator. And since he left, they haven't been back. Mm. Yeah, I, I just, I, I, I mean, I just think there are guys that aren't meant to be head coaches. Yes, they're they're really good at standing up in front of the team and game planning and doing these kinds of things you continually see guys like bill o'brien get jobs yeah you know at ohio state and you wonder why why does he but to me that's what i'm saying once you're kind of this coordinator guy you know you can continually get jobs but i think that guy was a terrible head coach smith arthur smith i think he's a terrible head coach yeah but i think he i think he as a play caller i don't think that's a once he just—that's his only responsibility, right? I think that they will whoever hires him. I think is probably going to get a pretty good guy. Yeah,
3: that—that's not a face you want. Being the like the the leader, the 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 face of your franchise no. outside of your quarterback, at your coach, like Arthur Smith doesn't have the face for it. Arthur Blank should have known that from the jump. That's that's not the face you well, can have. That's he's not commanding a room. He's not galvanizing the troops. And that's okay? with or without the mustache, right? Yeah, that's with or without one hundred percent. Good clarification, Walter which, Either way, he doesn't have the face for it. But as a play caller where the, the, that's the a ferret, I should
0: say. That's, that's the wheelhouse. We're starting to hear that, though, that the people within the Atlanta organization want nothing to do with Belichick. <gasps> because they're trying to save their jobs. Wait, is, it, wait, is this exclusive? Because he's no, going I for the full that. sweep uh-huh. of all responsibilities. I, he is not going to let people in that building that don't know what the hell they're doing. Well, okay, uh-huh. well, that means
3: he can't let Joe Judge, Fat Patricia, and, and Josh McDaniels in there.
0: No, that's... <laughs> yeah, and you know, and I, I, I heard from a very a very good source that he knew if he came to Dallas, he couldn't have anything that you just said. Nice. You know, that, that he knew that. And maybe he knows, you know, maybe that doesn't, maybe that won't play in Atlanta. Yeah, if
1: I'm in Atlanta, I'm negotiating back pretty strong. You yeah. kind of need us. I don't see many people beating down the door for you. We're yeah. going to go ahead and have our own front office, and we're going to hire an O.C., and if that's good enough for you, I'd be happy to have Bill under those circumstances yeah. but if 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 my team would hire Belichick and give him GM duties right now, I would be terrified
4: yeah mm.
0: there, there's, miserable there's there's teams there's teams that he that when he got out on the market, there were teams that were absolutely totally against him even coming in because yeah. they knew what it would do to their personnel department
2: yeah well, the other coach that's out there that is seeking uh, or he's drawing interest I should say as an offensive coordinator is chip Kelly. Chip Kelly, back in the NFL as an OC, failed as a head coach with the Eagles and the Niners, also did not. Did he get fired at UCLA? He did. He got fired at UCLA, or he's been when? at UCLA since 2018, 35 and 34, including a 25 and 13 mark in the past three years. When did
3: seasons. he get fired? He, ju- he just did. It was it was just this offseason, right? Yeah. Like, he just got let go from UCLA. Oh,
0: wow. I'm sorry. I didn't know that Maybe one. Maybe he's uh,
2: you know looking to get back in the NFL ranks. I mean, I honestly thought that would work for him. At UCLA. I'm surprised he didn't have more success. Or he hasn't had more success. He had a quarterback that's a, that's a for six place. years. His quarterback just transferred, too.
3: The yeah, freshman, Dante yeah, Moore. Yeah. Uh, but he had, but when, he, when he had DTR, though, was DTR good DTR was season. like
2: six years yeah. he had that guy. Yeah. DTR could play. Yeah,
1: he did have him. I that mean, final year, was, he was
2: a six-year guy there,
1: DTR. Yeah. I think I'd be excited about Chip Kelly. He, um, and I was surprised he didn't have more success at UCLA, but his ability to run the football through spreading yes. things out yes. was really revolutionary and smart. and yes. attention-to-detail guy. You know, I in the right situation with the right quarterback, I think Chip Kelly could light up the NFL still.
2: And he is still with UCLA, but teams are interested oh, okay. in poaching him, trying to hire way. him away. Yeah, because I think that mid. he is. I think he might be like board last line, year kind of deal, like Mike McCarthy. Like, yeah. dude, they're looking, they're looking elsewhere.
3: Okay, so you you never see that. You never see like a guy that's currently employed. Well, the man, head, the head, the head coach of of a. College. Decent university. But the writing seems to be on the wall. Do they usually leave their head coach position to go be an OC? Just hasn't worked there. With in the really. NFL.
2: So I, I mean, don't know. Uh, maybe he won't. I mean, maybe it'll take the right situation.
0: What, man, there's a lot of coaches in college football that are getting tired of this transfer portal and NIL and all that stuff. It, it's, it's impossible. I talked to a guy last night at West Virginia that was telling me, he goes, the, the recruiting, the the whole thing with the portal... He goes, you just your your team is just constantly in flux. He goes, and you're constantly having to protect your players from being, you know, and he goes, We don't have mm. we don't have the resources that everybody else has. And he goes, We're getting killed because of it. Getting I go, well, I go, well, is that a it goes, he goes, it's not an excuse. It's just reality. You know, we have players that are really good players and other and now I'm having to fight against uh, coaches from other schools coming in and recruit my kids. Yeah, I thought Chip Kelly would do great in the portal. Yeah, you, know, you don't have to. The the knock on him has been
2: recruiting recently. Yeah, I thought like in the portal he'll clean up there at UCLA. But who knows? We'll we'll see if he ends UCLA up is leaving a college. Get into that's probably true too. If he ends up leaving college, going back to the NFL or he just stays right. there in California. Now we've got Hall of Famer Ty Law was on the Dan Patrick Show, and he was talking. Uh, he he kind of threw his his old teammate Mike Vrabel under the bus a little bit here, but. Drinking, boozing during mm. practice, mm. narc law. Let us know what's
1: up. Did time. you ever have a sip of anything before you played a
5: game, like a, or a halftime, like whiskey or? Ah uh, no, we did it in practice before. You know, you, Mike Vrabel used to have a flask, so we all go to Vrabel's <laughs> and hit the flask, and he had some whiskey or something. But no, I was a I was a coffee guy. You know what I mean? That's, wait, that's wait. about it. So Vrabel has
1: a flask. Yes. And then you go over and take a little... Yeah,
5: yeah. he had everybody else getting a flash. So so back then, we used to have to drive (laughs) to practice, too. So that's the one thing that, uh, you know, the old school, before you see all the beautiful uh, Gillette Stadium, Now we had to get in our car with our shoulder pads on like we were Little League. (laughs) And we everybody driving over there with helmets and shoulder pads on, just being silly. And hell, yeah, we was taking drinks in the car. So Coach Parcells, Pete... Yeah, when we were over at the other practice facilities, it was going down on that little five-minute drive. <laughs> Especially when it was cold outside. But never a game. Oh, never a game. Not, not for me. I, I, I've i never uh, uh, drank before a game. I, I, I couldn't trust it. I, I had to go out there and cover the fast guys, man. You can't go out there covering Marvin Harrison and, and Randy Moss, T.O., alcohol in your system. I mean, I'd be on the wrong end of the highlights. <laughs> <laughs>
2: Just passing that whiskey flask around. And I get it, man. It's chilly out there in New England. They're practicing
1: outside. Yeah, I think I, I th- there's definitely some positions I want some whiskey at though. If I could, linebacker might be one. Yeah, I think linebacker. Put with that. that, maybe running back. You know, someone would really loosen you up. You'd be, yeah, I, I think you'd be feeling it. Yeah, yeah. If you're, it'd, a-
2: make it, it'd make you better. It's not the first time we've heard this. I mean, this is just a practice. We know the Canes were popping some Hennessy shots before the game back in their heyday.
3: That's true. That's true. Um, man, that is that is funny though. variable with the flask. I mean, is this something that you're? <laughs> Did he take a page out of somebody else's book? From Man, I,
0: I've never been with, I've been with players like Favre who were like really, opioid guys. Well, they were hung over. So they were kind of still drunk practicing. Oh, okay. I tell you the stories about McMahon and Peterson and those guys. Yeah, they, they, you know, we'd come in at four or five in the morning and then they'd go practice at 10. So you knew they were still kind of drunk. Yeah. But never like drinking on the way to practice. As
1: far
3: as you know. Yeah.
0: Well, it was a short walk. As far as you know. It's a walk from the, you know, we didn't have a long drive. It's a brisk from walk with the, the
1: flask. Yeah. It almost sounded like Table had one on the sideline or in his sock or something. He <laughs> could just kind of get huddled up and pass the flask. I was like, no, I was I, a coffee guy.
0: I, know <laughs> I like <laughs> Ty Laws like a Sean Lee guy, dude. I know yeah. this is not uh, the same thing, but I used to watch Larry Allen play with like a dip. Like a huge dip in his mouth. Yeah, it's impressive. It's like he would play almost like that's crazy, you know, blocking people and all that yeah. with this huge... And the, probably swallowing a half of just it. spitting on string. Yeah, it's just, yeah. but he kept the, he kept the can in his sock while he was just dominating, you know, that's, he'd reach down his sock and pop a dip in <laughs> man, and then go awesome. play. <laughs>
3: that's legendary right there. It's great. It was
1: great. Yeah. Last thing I might put a, little, a tiny little upper in while I was hooping back. But no, he
0: had a monster yeah. dip, like monster dip yeah. in there and he's blocking it. He up half he's all the man. Cheap, and he's chewing, yeah. the, he's, he's, and he's swallowing the, the, the dip and yeah, it's wow. crazy. Yeah.
2: Love it. Last uh, bit of NFL news of the day here, the Lions. Last time they won two playoff games in a postseason, 1957. What was the world like? Well, the inventions, we had uh, bubble wrap, mm. sweet and low sweetener, and the Whopper was invented that year. <laughs> to so this point, wing and, a miss. And, and there we
0: go, and I knew this was coming. You get the Whopper, which is a quality quality burger hey maybe in
3: 1957 no no,
0: no. it was you're not going to crap on the whopper on my on my <laughs> i don't need to it, no, I, no, you're not going, a, it's no, crapping no, on no. itself stop, enough stop stop 1957 it's been around and you're crapping on it right yeah, now crapping on it it's not i it's, like what you're doing brian yeah it's it's a quality don't
1: be burger
2: on it yeah. Yeah. cost of living eggs it's quality bad take 55 cents per dozen newspaper was five cents candy bar was five cents movie ticket at that time 62 cents a house was between 10000 to $20,000, a pound of white bread, $0.19, cents. and if you wanted your half gallon of milk delivered, it was just $0.50 cents to are do so. Those were the
0: days, man. Guy walking around with the glass bottles.
3: Oh, so they didn't upcharge it like the door
0: dashing and stuff like that? No, no, the They just got the end. Put it on, they yeah, put it on your doorstep, you grabbed it, and you, you went on with your life. Elvis was just crushing. Top movie was Jailhouse Rock featuring
2: Elvis Presley. You also had the bridge on the River Kwai. Oh, that's a good Old one. Old Yeller. And then your top song was hey, All Sir, Shook Up by Sir, Elvis.
0: Sir Alex Guinness, I think. For Amazing. COVID-19.
2: Great year. What a time to be alive. Also, Steve Harvey was born that year.
0: Right
1: on. We'll check. Is this uh, a new uh, new bit we're doing here? New uh, benchmark
3: daily? Yeah.
1: Well, This maybe. day in history? Maybe. Oh, maybe
3: we can do that. I like it. Well, when you when you have historical. I mean, when the
2: Lions, if the Lions keep winning playoff games, I'm sure we'll be able to find some of these.
3: Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's the, you're going back. You said 1957? 1957. Jeez, man. Yeah, you got to honor something like that. When I it's mean, when it's more than 50 years, when yeah. it occurs, that feels like even more than a blue moon
1: it's situation. Amazing. Congratulations to the Lions. On a Lulu blue moon. Hey, speaking of I'll things look. that haven't happened in a long time, Embiid last night with 70. Ooh. That was just incredible. Was uh, it the
0: anniversary of Kobe going for 80? Last I night, didn't hear that. I think Kobe, Kobe had 81.
1: 81. Yeah. Uh, yes. I think it was the anniversary yesterday of that. in history. Yeah. Yeah. Ninth player ever to reach 70 or more. It was a it was a big night in the association. I think that's about to go viral now. These guys are watching that. They're like, watch what I do tonight, Mom. This is gonna be amazing. Well, okay. If yeah. the
0: Spurs are in town, go for it. <laughs> right. <laughs>
1: Derek Holland uh, talking Adrian Beltray in the Hall of Fame, some Rangers offseason discussion with the oven coming up next. Welcome back. It is the G Back Nation here on one oh five three the fan. The greatest offseason in Texas Rangers history continues right here on your Home of the World Series, champs. As Adrian Beltre expected to be announced into the Hall of Fame tonight, his former teammate Derek Holland joining us. A segment's segment to you by the Frankels. Life's unpredictable. Accidents happen. Franklin Frankel, the go-to attorneys for car and truck wrecks in DFW. If you or a loved one's been in an accident, contact Franklin Frankel for a free consultation, 214 or 817-333-3333. Go to truckwreck.com. And a good afternoon, Dutch. How the heck are you?
6: I'm doing good. How are you guys doing? Oh,
1: we're doing great. You know, just looking to reminisce about uh, about Adrian Beltre and talk about what's going on with you here. Now, when you were playing along with Adrian Beltre, did you know this dude's a Hall of Famer?
6: Uh, I mean, I felt like he was somebody that could be. Um, You know, I was still new to the organizations, or not the organization, but the big leagues, but still feeling out guys like him, uh, you know, seeing what they're capable of. I've seen how good he performs. I know he had a couple of injuries, you know, that held him back in some of the seasons with Boston. So it was like this guy could be the potential to be a Hall of Famer, or he's going to be a guy that just, you know, might not be. He's going to be really, really good, but he's not going to be the guy that's a Hall of Famer. And it turns out that dude was a Hall of Famer, no doubt about it.
1: And he was amazing. I, I remember when he came over, I think I even had the opinion on the show, like, you know, this guy's had a full career already, and we're paying him like he's in his prime. I was, you know, pleasantly surprised that he was able to continue to dominate well into his 30s. What was it like for for you guys in the clubhouse when such a, a significant figure uh, arrives? What were those those first impressions like for you?
6: Man, it, it just boosts the confidence of what's going on in the clubhouse that makes you think, or makes you know that the owners are going out there getting guys. I mean, a Great example, not to take anything away from Beltre right now, but look at what happened. The Rangers go out and they get Montgomery, they get Scherzer. You know, the the spirits lift even more when you get guys like Beltre's nature to come and join the team because you know what they can bring to the table. That's the main thing.
0: Dutch, when Dutch, I mean, that was really Michael Young's clubhouse, though, right? When, uh, you know, and like it seemed like to me that he was taking a, you know, he was the leader in that place and all that. Was that a different fit for Beltre, the way he came in and all that? How did, how did that dynamic work?
6: Well, I mean, it was definitely Michael Young's clubhouse. He was El Capitan for sure. Um, but then you get a guy like Beltre, who's also another guy that has those same leadership qualities. So it's like you've got two captains and one in that clubhouse. He definitely took control over the Latin guys, nothing against Michael Young. But, you know, maybe his Spanish is not that great to help out when it comes to helping those, the Latin players that's where a guy like Beltre gets to step in and being able to have more than one leader is huge. And that, that clubhouse felt that presence every time with both guys in there. So we definitely had some great leadership qualities with guys like Beltre and and Michael Young. How's your Spanish? Uh, It's uh, it's muy bueno. (laughs) There we go.
2: What was the uh, relationship like getting to watch and and see Elvis and Adrian form such a unique and special bond and then also pitching while they're just kind of goofing around behind you?
6: I think in my opinion, Elvis was a key helper in in keeping Beltre out there going and performing the way he is. You know, you get a young guy like him that's challenging him every day and pushing him. I think Elvis deserves a lot of credit too, to help out with the longevity of, of Beltre. I mean, we know what he's capable of, we've seen what he can do and everything, but I think the goofiness and the looseness that Elvis brought to the table helped uh, create more energy with Beltray. and, you know, it's kind of like getting in, you know, you have an old dog and things aren't going well and that dog could be closer to its time of, of death, you know, the the young dog comes in and it gives that puppy or that, that older dog that extra energy. So I felt like that was one of the things that I, I noticed with Beltray and Elvis is just the way that. Beltray would try to keep up with what Elvis was doing, and it, it definitely kept him going. And, I mean, having those two on the left side, there was nothing getting by them, but watching their personalities and how they play and perform, it was awesome. I mean, as a pitcher, they, I knew anything was going to get taken care of on the left side, but at the same time, when a pot fly would go up and the cameraman can't even tell which guy to look at, that's, that was the only thing that would make you question a little bit.
0: Hey, Dutch, okay, the uh, rumor is that Beltre played without a cup. Is that lack of brains or really quick hands?
6: That is uh, just trusting your own abilities. Uh, that's something I would definitely not do. I'd definitely pitch with the cup on. I'd, you know, hopefully one day I can get to have some kids down the road. Yeah. Um, Beltre had already taken care of that, so I don't think he was too concerned with trying to have more kids. But he also knew that his hands were going to take care of it and keep him from uh, getting hit in the uh, the Pelota region.
1: Yes. <laughs> <laughs> nice Spanish. There you go. Um, what, what, what made, uh, what, what made Adrian so good as a defensive player and, and what was it like knowing that a hard hit shot down that line, you know, as, as compared to have another third baseman in the game,
6: man, he, uh, w- what makes Beltre so good is he, he trusted himself. He knew his range, he knew his limits. And if there was anything that was going to be going his way, he was definitely going to give you everything he had on every single play. I mean, there was times you would watch him a slow roller, and you'd be like, no chance anybody's getting that. And then next thing you know, here comes Beltray flying in and literally floating and throwing it complete dime right to the chest. I mean, he, it was incredible what he did. And the one thing that cracked me up one time I'll never forget, I mean, I've got a lot of stories with him, but somebody hit an absolute piss missile over to third base, and he caught it, got the ball, you know, whatever, and after they threw it around and gave it back to him, he goes, hey, throw that pitch again. That's, that's the exact pitch you should be throwing. That was a great one after just getting destroyed.
0: <laughs> did you ever did you ever get in a situation where you didn't think he was going to get to a ball and then you got in the way of his throw? Like, you know, pitchers oh, no. pitchers are always like it seems like you guys are always in that uncomfortable no man's land situation where you don't know whether to dive on the ground. Do you have a feeling that every time the ball goes that way, you need to dive on the ground when it's going his direction?
6: There'd be times where you'd have a bunt, you know, it could be a bunt play or something yeah. along those lines. And uh, I'd be running down towards, uh, you know, to get the ball or whatever, but then I'd see him charging in hard. So my immediate reactions were as soon as I see him, just lay out. Yeah, lay lay out, out, yeah. yeah. That's all you can do. So I would just dive and hit the deck and make sure that, one, I wasn't in his running path or, two, his throwing path, so I don't get a concussion.
2: So once you got to know him and then you leave the Rangers and you got to face him, what was that experience like and what was the scouting report on him?
6: I mean, it (laughs) – I've already faced him beforehand. So we'd already talked smack to each other before and, you know, going up against him, um, you know, you just want to kind of keep him off balance. That was my main thing is just, I got to brush him off the plate. Don't let him get too comfortable, but man, we'd have some battles, but I'd constantly just be talking smack with him back and forth. (laughs) That was just kind of how it goes. I mean, everybody that I've played with and, and then I end up playing against, you know, you get up to the batter's box and I'm literally talking to you as you're there which catches a you know a few of the guys off guard because it's like this dude's literally talking to me right now and yeah. he's supposed to be throwing strikes and it was something that I liked because I knew I already knew my game plan I knew what I was going to do going in so it was just kind of a matter of going from there and executing the pitches.
0: Dutch, but his strike zone was like in the dirt, like he you know he'd like go to one knee and like cricket the just ball out, out yeah out the outfield. Well, how do you pitch against a guy whose strike zone? literally is on top of the plate.
6: Well, I mean, that's the thing is you got to be very careful with him. He's it's kind of like facing Vladdy. Vladdy was the same way. Yeah. You know, if you threw anything down on the ground, he could get it. Same thing with, with Is He could literally golf, you know, a golf ball out. So, yeah. I mean, you just got to make your pitches and not give him, hopefully, something that he can just tattoo. But on the other side of it, it's such a cool thing to sit and see. Like you were talking about, you see a guy swing and he drops down to a knee and it's a home run. Yeah. You know, he did that for us in, in the yeah. World Series. Sure. Which was pretty incredible.
1: It's Derek Holland here with you on 105.3, the fan talking about Adrian Beltre, who's going into the Hall of Fame tonight. You know, I remember him uh, hurting his back and, and they needed him to play against the Blue Jays and they didn't think he was going to play and he did and he gutted it out. But that's not his greatest gut out moment of all time. It is actually a no cup you know, oh yeah, nine. Yeah, he he fields a ball that took a a, a direct hop and crushed his right testicle. Oh, Beltray suffered a crushed testicle in two thousand nine. A couple of years before he comes to the Rangers, stayed in the game, scored the winning run in the fourteenth inning. What? Yeah. What was the toughest thing you've ever seen him do, Dutch?
6: <laughs> the the hardest thing for me was the back thing. I knew how much you know the game meant. Um, And you see a guy like him, this is what kind of inspired a lot of the young guys like myself, is you see a guy like him playing through injuries, and you want to go out and play through injuries. And what kills me sometimes is the injuries that he was playing through, those players can play through that. Mm -hmm. But a guy like me, you know, you can't play through a shoulder injury. If, you know, I'm required to throw 100 pitches a game, you know, that was one of the things that killed me. Is Sometimes I would try to do too much because of seeing what a guy like him did that inspired me. So it would like hurt. And then you see a guy like him now that day, it was in Toronto, you know, he's trying to play through his back injury. And when you see tears coming from his eyes, you know, he's in true, like he was in pain, but this was like, he's doing everything he possibly can to stay in that game. And he tried, he did everything he possibly could. He didn't want to come out. They had, you know, um, Bannister go out there and get him in Prince, And, you know, that was probably one of the hardest things to watch is somebody so great trying and giving everything he had to play through an injury to be taken out in a game that, you know, it means everything to us. You know, this is this could be a clinching time to come back to Texas after, you know, hopefully we were going to beat Toronto at that time. And it just sucked to watch that. So that's, to me, that was probably one of the hardest things to watch is a great like him playing through his back injury and not being able to to stay in the game. And he was trying as hard as he could to stay in there.
3: So, Dutch, are you saying as a pitcher you'd rather deal with the, uh, the testicular explosion as opposed to a shoulder injury?
6: No, I don't want my beanbag swelling up like that. I gotta make sure I take care of that.
3: That has to be the most impressive thing I've ever heard. Like that, that's that's the day yep. he became a Hall of Fame lock. Yes. Like wait we don't need to see anything else after that. Or the you, winning run. You're a different breed. Yeah. That first slide. Let's, oh, let's, man. <laughs> let's get your bust ready, bro. That was that's incredible. I mean, he was
6: he was definitely running the bases like he had elephantitis right there. So I mean, that's what yeah, tough one guys. to do.
3: Yeah, that was
1: heroic. How's your off season going after the Tommy John that interrupted your comeback last spring, Derek?
6: Man, it's going good. I'm I'm anxious to see what's going to happen. I'm at 75 feet right now. Um, top speed is supposed to be 69 giggity. Uh So we're trying to see what we can do there. Uh, we're going to see what the arm's made of. But at the end of the day, I'm I'm at the point to where. You know, if I come back, cool, maybe I'll go over to Japan, maybe I stay here. I don't know what the case is, but at the end of the day, I just want to be able to coach and help kids out or get into TV and being able to cover the Rangers or wherever it may be. You know, obviously I would love and give anything that I could to possibly be back with the organization that, you know, I started everything with and all the love that I have here in Texas and the fans here. I I would just give anything to just be a part of that, but whatever comes next, I'll be ready for that challenge.
0: Hey, Dutch, does this need to be Kyrie's team? Is is Luca, what, what's the situation <laughs> there?
6: Man, I I need to just take you to a game, and we can just sit there and pick them apart together. But it's it's been a while to watch. I mean, last yeah. night was a tough one. You, yeah. you know, you're yeah. going up against the best in the East, and that's that's just, you want to see what you got. You always want to see where you are at that time. That was a good test for them. And sure. to be honest, I, I just don't think they're where they think they are.
0: Yeah, I think you're right about that.
3: Are you gonna come to Vegas with us, dude? Walchuk already said you can like um, you can crash with us, man.
6: I mean, if I have to, I will. Perfect. Let's do this. You We're gonna. Don't have to, you don't have to. You know. Force me. I, I'll just go out there.
3: Okay. Well, that's good news. We're, we're going to be doing just like an inordinate amount of smelling salts we, in Vegas. We got the yeah. hook up, bro. Is that just a football thing, or do baseball players or uh, smelling salts? Is that is that all
0: sports, or does that feel like just a football thing? Those ammonia caps. Oh, yeah. Are-
6: I'm good on the. I'm good on the smelling salts. Uh, I'm more oh. of a give me my dry powder. The and when I say the dry powder, sorry, mm, I want to yeah. make sure it's the pre-workout we're talking about. Okay. Uh-huh. Okay. Um, I'm a dry scooper. I can do that. Wow. Um, so, yeah.
3: It's like the Micah Parsons yeah. C4. Yeah,
6: Remember Micah. the
3: C4 game? Yeah. You, have you ever yeah. puked all, after that, or are you usually just
2: good? No,
6: that's that's the thing that cracks me up is, like, I would do – so usually I'll do about two scoops a game, and usually you're supposed to do about one. And I would do two <laughs> scoops a game and play. No problem, no throwing up, none of that. Just I, – I was literally just cracked out of my mind out there on the field. <laughs> beautiful man amazing I
3: love the way you paint that picture now so but but the smelling salts what about for other players like is that in a a baseball clubhouse or is that just not really it is
6: yeah you'd see some guys doing it in between like you know getting ready to go up front at bat maybe they just kind of felt maybe a little drowsy or something it's like all right let me just take this man you can tell when they hit it because the eyes just light up and it's (laughs) it's go time baby I'm alive (laughs) it's awesome
0: hey Dutch is your is your crying offensive coordinator going to be the next head coach at Michigan you guys better off without Deshaun you Watson know,
6: brought us that's a passionate thing right there I mean yeah. you know when you do something cool you you should understand that crying is okay it's okay to love your I just was curious your if
0: your if your crying offensive coordinator was going to be the next head coach that's what my question was
6: no I get that I just wanted to point that out and you know it doesn't matter who the next coach is Ohio State still can't figure us out we've already got a, a coach that's experienced Ohio Ooh. State beat Ryan Day sorry yeah. about it yeah. Um, you know Helped them stay fifteen and zero. I think it is whatever they did. I mean, yeah. who cares? They're still winning. Yep. Uh, so, yeah, I'm excited, but I don't know. I, I think uh, I heard you guys talking about it earlier as I was driving home. Yeah, I think Harbaugh is going to go to the Chargers for sure. Yeah, that too. would be a hundred percent there. Yeah, yep. um, I would see maybe Mike Hart being the possible Michigan coach.
0: Oh, the wow. running back. Okay, yeah. Mike Hart. Yeah, yeah. Hmm. a good player. Yeah, I saw him in oh, person. Yes, he was. Appreciate you,
1: Dutch. Uh, We got to run. Enjoy uh, all the rest of this baseball offseason. Maybe we'll see you in Vegas.
6: Yes, sir. You guys don't have to run. Just walk. It's okay, but thank you for having me as always.
1: Cheers, buddy. There he goes. Derek Holland with you here on your home of the World Series champion, Texas Rangers. A two-scoop guy. That's legendary if you ask me. Sounds like taking your life into your own hands. I'd say so. He's a crazy person. But
0: that's Yeah, he is a crazy person.
1: We got a lot uh, of fun, though. the C-Note coming up at 4 o'clock. Cowboys news of the evening. A lot of recent headlines,
3: but a rim session next, Chief? Yes, sir. The most uninspired 60-burger of all time next year in the nation. We have mock drafts. We have Peter King talking about the owner. C-Note's coming up at 4 o'clock. Chief, with your rim session here we go folks we cut the lights out we put the kids to bed the g-bag nations going all 56 inches around that rim it's always a special occasion when brought has a confused look on his face before we dive into a rim session. you
0: say mock drafts
1: we do wow. yeah all right now don't get all horny about giving us a five minute <laughs> scouting report we're going to talk opinions okay coming up at four
0: all right but, tune in for my sorry. seven minute opinion on players Yeah. Top of the hour.
3: This is the horny segment. Fire and brimstone. This is the sit.
0: Let's tell you why you need this player, Dawson. Oh, man. Listen listen to me.
3: Yeah. I think Walchuk's going to get us a couple of running backs, guys, and we're not going to have to spend a first or second round pick? I don't think so. Look at that. We're going to be okay, folks. We're going to be okay. Wow. And at some point today, we will unveil the details on the good news at running back. You don't have to overpay for one in free agency who's old and washed up. And uh, you don't have to draft one in the first or second round, even if that guy's a longhorn off an ACL. Man, I'm excited about that. Just but give
1: me above 5'11 and above 215 pounds would be great. <laughs> yeah. Man, we had so would much you greatness. 5'9,
0: 215? I don't okay. think so, Blake. Quorum? Okay. I'm no, out. my kid, my guy at Missouri. I think both. So five we'll nine, 40 I got to
2: watch him still, man. Both, both my had, guys oh are my one's God. five ten. I think the
3: other's five eleven.
0: Brooks, Jonathan Brooks. I wish Jonathan, I like Brooks. Jonathan Brooks a lot. Yeah, didn't hurt his knee. I'm just sorry. Just go ahead with the injury, man. Go ahead with your basketball. But yeah, let's tape. go rim. Yeah. No,
3: it's all good, yeah. man. If you guys want to bring the running backs into the rim sesh too, then fine. Just completely disrespect that everything I got say. going on here, man. Last night was pretty special in the association. Watching
0: tape. Oh, what? <laughs>
3: You had, uh, unfortunately, of course, the uh, the Mavs lost to the Celtics. On the and second
0: night of a back-to-back. <laughs> and yeah. You had seven days rest.
3: Well, the Celtics are, they are legit. They are legit, even without poor Zingas. And what Jalen Brown and what Jason Tatum were doing last night, and the disrespectful move, Jalen Brown forcing Luka to touch earth at one point defensively. Well. That was ugly.
0: I think Luka got a little upset. They played the replay of it in the in the arena.
3: Yeah, and okay, I'm glad you said that because Tim Hardaway Jr. was, was You said
0: why are we playing that S?
3: Yeah. Like get that get that S off the screen yeah. kind of deal. And yeah. after the game, even Jalen Brown, he, he didn't He was surprised. He, he was surprised. Uh they they asked him about it. Like, yeah, that you know, they uh they put the replay of your crossover. It was it was up on the jumbotron, even though it was a Mavs home game, and you're the road player who just did the disrespectful thing. Mm-hmm. And he responded like, "Wait, they played it. They, they played, played it here." And then he says, "This. See if you guys agree with this one. Somebody needs to get fired if they did that. That's crazy. Ouch. That's from an NBA player. I think. Well, how does that happen G- in your she home arena? About it too. Yeah.
1: How does that happen in your home arena? Why Why would somebody want to show up Luca in the home arena?"
3: Oh, He's got a bad attitude. Yeah. He's a D word to everybody.
1: I keep trying to tell people this guy is a D word to everybody. He needs to grow up. He's going to waste his talent being an a hole.
3: Wow, how about that? The D and Donchit stands for D word. Yep. Well, yep. Uh, we had some we had some greatness last night. Doesn't uh, like anybody. We uh we we got a couple of games that need to be addressed. I will just uh, announce the fact that Milwaukee has fired their coach uh, Adrian Griffin. And it looks like Doc Rivers is going to be the next man there, okay? That's like really the news of the day. But uh, last night, we had a couple of things. So when you look at the sounds of the evening, I want to start in Charlotte, where it's the Hornets versus the Timberwolves. And I know Carl Anthony Towns is the headliner, but we got to have a discussion about this Hornets broadcaster. He is the voice of the Hornets. I don't even know his name, but he had two great moments last night. I believe this first clip is the greatest call of a free throw of all time. Like, maybe one of the most boring things in all of sports is just a generic free throw situation. Listen to this Hornets broadcaster call this free throw. Okay, so he's he's in his bag there. Almost as much as Carl Anthony Towns is in his, the opposing player for the Timberwolves. He's going for 44 in the first half. He's getting all the buckets. He ends up scoring 60-plus points last night. Uh, and at one point he's uh, he's like in, on a heater in the second quarter and he's just going back to back to back and at one here is one of those shots where it's Carl Anthony Towns big 7-footer behind the three-point line he's pulling up for a shot and the hornets broadcaster listen to him like you can hear the homer in his voice
6: 38 no,
0: no! <laughs> <laughs>
3: As Carl Anthony Towns drops his 44th uh, first half point on the Hornets dome. Uh, But the best part to me about this game was afterwards, after you had Carl Anthony Towns and the Timberwolves and, 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 Cat scores 60-plus points. And, of course, the Timberwolves lose the basketball game, uh, which makes for an unhappy T-Wolves head coach, Chris Finch, not happy with anything that took place tonight. I don't care if Carl Anthony Towns scored all the points. He's not happy with his team. Did they disrespect the sport? Let's find out from coach.
4: It was an absolute disgusting performance of defense and immature basketball. Um all the way through the game so it really didn't slip away it had been there from the jump so this is what happens when you uh, have this type of approach now, obviously we're gonna try to feed a hot hand look for a hot hand but at some point we gotta get back to making the right play we gotta get back to doing the right I get back things um, and um, you know that's just uh, like I said there's a lot of ways to be immature there's always a lot of ways to be immature. Um, and there was a lot of immature performances here throughout the, the roster. We totally disrespected the game ourselves. Um, and we got exactly what we deserve. So. Chris, did, did you
3: also see? I mean, did it turn into Carl trying to hunt like a, Absolutely. a, a big number? And...
4: Yeah, I mean, it was. I mean, but for a while, I mean, it was going. Um, but, you know, down the stretch, we you got, you know, kind of dried up for us. But, um, yeah, so.
1: I mean, he was just so hot. I, there's something weird going on here. I didn't watch the game, um, you know. So, yeah, the opportunity. He had, by the he way, he had a very efficient 62 points. Yeah. If you want to talk about the other players, I'm going to leave Carl Anthony Towns out of this. You you were 21 of 35, including 10 of 15 from downtown. Yes, keep shooting in the fourth. Hunt more looks. You're having the night of your life now. Defensively, I don't know what the hell happened. 128 points <laughs> giving yeah. up, guys. You know, let's go ahead and help out her. Our dudes, I don't know. That's maybe there's something uh, else that we're, you know, not privy to quite yet,
3: Chief. Yeah, that's a good point. Uh, on the uh, on the other end of the spectrum, yeah, Joel Embiid going for seventy. What a night! Yeah, versus Ooh. the Spurs before the game. Greg Popovich was asked how the Spurs would be intending to guard Joel Embiid. Oh. His response was, "quote I don't think it matters what we do. I can give you some BS if you want, though." Uh, and then, of course, Joel Embiid went out and did what he did, and uh, it was certainly a special evening for him. And after last night, Joel Embiid is now averaging 36 points per game and shooting 54% from the field. And uh, since the merger, we've seen one season of a player uh, doing that, and that is Michael Jordan in 1987. Jordan. So uh, Joel Embiid getting it done in a huge way, and uh, his coach I don't think was as upset about his performance as as the T-Wolves coach was. These selfish, immature guys going for 60 and 70. I mean, what do
1: they think they are? The hot hand?
3: It can be Nick Nurse.
1: It can be uh, putting on a show for the crowd. What you like that crowd cheering for you? Is that why you want to shoot again? You want to make them cheer? Yeah, very selfish.
3: Uh, Good news for Mavs fans. We mentioned earlier, but WFA is going to be carrying like ten of the Mavs uh, regular season games moving forward. So. That's definitely a, uh, a local victory, and Kevin Durant had a buzzer-beating uh, bucket last night that oh, was a swish yeah. where he pump fakes, and like while he's in the air, he pump fakes, and then goes again. It was like a yeah. double-clutcher, yeah. boom, swish, victory, so congrats that to that conversation, KD. <laughs> there you go, KD.
1: Man, what a week he's having. Okay. c will the Cowboys consider these two extreme courses of action? We have mock drafts and what Peter King says about the owner and some more NBA chatter. Coming up to you at 440, I'll I'll give you the top trade rumors involving your Mavericks right now. That's all coming up in the 4 o'clock hour here in the nation.